Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. And we're going to work our way through. We're picking up in Acts 2.22 for those following along. And this is where Peter is answering the men who are saying the disciples are drunk because they just received the Holy Spirit. And don't be shocked when people call you crazy once you've received the Holy Spirit. Religion doesn't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. Tradition doesn't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. When you get the power of the Holy Spirit, people are going to think you're crazy. People are going to think you're drunk. People are going to think you've lost your mind. Little do they know you have lost your mind and you've gained the mind of Christ. And so this is what we're seeing in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit's poured out. The upper room, the Holy Spirit comes, fills the disciples. There's a festival going on. They're spilling out into the streets now. They're coming out of the upper room. Come on, our faith needs to leave the building. And they're going out now speaking in unknown languages or foreign languages of people in the area that know those people don't know our language and they say they must be drunk and then Peter stands up this is Peter the one that denied Jesus the one that was deemed a coward that before the rooster crows three times Peter you'll deny me you guys know Peter always has his foot in his mouth now he starts preaching with boldness saying these men are not drunk this is the prophecy that Joel spoke about when he says, and I shall pour out my spirit in the last days. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, that your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Come on, where are you in the chat? I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth beneath, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke the sun shall turn into darkness the moon turned into blood before the coming in the great awesome day of the Lord and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved and Peter is preaching this he's saying this is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit this is not them being drunk this is not them being crazy this is not them being out of control this is the outpouring this is what we've been praying for this is what we've been believing for and oftentimes as believers we pray for God, God move in revival. And then revival ruins our little nine to five church schedule. Revival ruins our little patty cake, tickle me Elmo, Sunday morning, dead church Christianity. And we're like, oh, I didn't really want revival. I didn't really want the outpouring. Friend, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit does what it wants to do. God moves how he wants to move. Remember the Bible says the spirit is like the wind. You never know where it's coming from. You never know where it's going. We don't tell God how to pour out his spirit. And I'm saying tonight, come on, help me preach Holy Ghost. Lord, however you want to move, I'm okay with it. You're right. I'm wrong. And I need your anointing. There's no head knowledge that's going to stop me from believing in the power of God. And some of you... You spend so much time listening to YouTubers and preachers that preach you out of miracles. Come on, help me. That preach you out of the signs and wonders. That preach you out of deliverance. That preach you out of faith. Oh, it's not for everybody. And in the book of Acts, there's no more, no such thing as the apostles anymore. And that, di- friend, today is the day. Now's the day. Miracles, hear me tonight, loud and clear, will happen tonight in Jesus' name. People will get delivered tonight by the power of the Holy Spirit. I have nothing to offer you other than being a vessel for the Holy Spirit. And tonight, bodies will be healed in Jesus' name. Demons will be driven out in Jesus' name. So all of these religious haters, all of these religious demons, all of these religious preachers that say it's not for today, 
you let them know your channel's not for today and stop watching it because the presence of God is for today. And Peter's telling this to people that had just denied Jesus, just persecuted Jesus. And Peter himself had just denied Jesus. And now he's boldly preaching. Why was Peter able to preach boldly? The Holy Spirit, write this down, gives supernatural boldness. This is not natural boldness. This is not stand up because you're a good speaker. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I'm praying tonight, give us supernatural boldness in the mighty name of Jesus. I want the boldness of the Holy Ghost. I want the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to preach to my unsafe friends. I want to preach to my unsafe family. I want to stand boldly. I don't ever want to be a coward. The cowards go in the lake of fire according to Revelation. I don't ever want to be a wimp. The Bible says that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, that word fear doesn't mean you're afraid of the dark. It means timidity. It means God doesn't make you timid when you're wanting to share your faith, but you're like, I just don't know. That's that timidity. The Bible goes, God hasn't given you that spirit. It's a spirit. It is a demonic spirit, and God didn't give it to you. So if you have it, Ding, ding, ding. Who gave it to you? The devil gave it to you. The devil gave you the spirit of fear and timidity. And tonight, in Jesus' name, you might as well just get used to this because this is interactive tonight. In Jesus' name, we come against the spirit of fear, which is the spirit of timidity. And we say in Jesus' name that you will be bold, that you will prophesy, that you will preach the gospel, that your friends and families will be saved, that your marriage will be saved, that there will be breakthrough in your home, there will be breakthrough in your kids, there will be breakthrough in your finances, that the power of God is available. So no fear here. Fear, get out of me in Jesus' name. Timidity, get out of me in Jesus' name. You are a liar, Satan. You have no power, and I'm not going to stay and come on holy ghost help me i'm not going to stand for your foolish lies i'm not going to allow demons to try to stop me from preaching the gospel so any time you feel timid rebuke it this is not from god i will not be timid i will not be shy romans 1 16, i am unashamed of the gospel it is the power that word means supernatural power of god unto salvation so there's real power what we're preaching about. I feel it right now. There is real power when we preach the word of God. And I pray that power touches you tonight. That Holy Spirit boldness. We got to stop being timid about our faith. It's not okay that we share about the new car that we got, the new promotion. We share about it for six months, a year. We're still hearing about your new promotion a year later. And you don't share your faith. You don't share the good news. Everything happening in your life, you share about the TV show. You share about the new movie. You share about the football game. You share about all these worldly things. But do you share about God? Do you share your faith? Do you preach the gospel? And you say, I don't, I don't, I don't, Isaiah. Well, tonight we are going to break this thing off of you in Jesus' name because God says, I didn't give you that spirit. Don't be saying it's God's fault. Don't be blaming on God. God is not giving you that spirit that's from the devil. And tonight we're putting the devil on notice. And this is what Peter preaches. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 22 through 24. This is what he says. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles... Watch what he says, wonders and signs, which God through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know him, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he shall be held by it. It was not possible for death to hold Jesus. And Paul and Peter is looking these religious Pharisees, these religious people right in the eye and say, you saw this man that you guys killed, that you guys persecuted, that God validated, God attested to by signs and wonders and miracles. You guys killed this guy. 
He was innocent and you guys killed him. And this is the sermon that Peter's giving. Peter's giving the central theme of Christianity. And that is Jesus was approved by God and God validated Jesus. This is teaching tonight, by the way, guys, but we're also preaching. God validated Jesus through signs and wonders. John chapter 10, Jesus said, listen, if you don't believe me, believe the signs and wonders and know that the father is in me and I am in the father. What distinguishes us? from Mormons, Catholics, Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, New Age, Satanists, Islam, whatever religion, what proves, have you asked yourself this, and it's undeniable, that we're the only true religion. We're the only true ones that have relationship with the living God. John 10 tells us what makes us different than every other religion. That's the signs and wonders and miracles. And Jesus said, the way that I'm gonna prove to you what I'm saying is true is through demonstrating miracles. So here's what we have in America and the world, YouTube culture, a bunch of preachers and pastors that don't do signs and wonders, don't do miracles, they don't believe, oh, you know, we don't need to strive, brother, and it's not a big deal, and signs and wonders. So because we don't have signs and wonders in our life, we can't prove that God is who he says he is and that we're preaching the genuine truth. And so that's why you have all these people that are arguing, that are debating, that are into all of these things and all it's all mind, it's all head knowledge. There's no power in it. That's one thing that I fault apologet the whole apologetics world with is they've lost the power of God. It's all arguments. We have to debate people. We have to argue people because we can't demonstrate it with the power of God. So we have to prove to you God his, who's, is who he says he is, but Jesus, didn't debate people. He wasn't doing apologetics saying this is why and you know this eternal none of that. Jesus in John 10 go read it said it's the signs and wonders and miracles that prove that I'm in the Father and that the Father is in me. And so I know some of you are typing names in the chat. I'm telling you without this we've lost the supernatural component. Now you might say Isaiah it's not all about that. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. I'm just telling you that John 10 lays it out clear. You don't believe me. This is Jesus talking. Believe the signs and wonders and know that the Father's in me. I'm in the Father. And basically what he's saying is the Father has approved of me because these Jews believed in God the Father. And Jesus was saying, I'm approved by God. I'm validated by the signs, wonders, and miracles. Signs and wonders validate who's serving the true God. Jesus, Peter also preaches about Jesus's destiny to die on the cross. This is why he came. He came to die. Nobody killed Jesus. Jesus laid down his life. He freely, he goes, I could call a thousand legions on legions of angels to deliver me, but I'm going, lay, I'm laying down my life. I'm letting you take my life. Matthew chapter one, verse 21. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. This is the destiny of Jesus Christ. Mark 8, 31. And he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again, the story doesn't end with him dying. It, it's three days risen after three days rises from the dead. Mark 8 31 says destiny Luke 2 34. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, Jesus's mother, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. And this is them speaking against Christ. Luke 10, 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and, my, and am known by my own. Verse 15, as the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep. They didn't kill him, he laid his life down. And the other sheep which I have are not, which I have are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Verse 17, therefore my father loves me because I laid down my life 
that I might take it up again. Speaking of his life being raised from the dead. And this is what Jesus says in verse 18 of Luke 10. Look what he says. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I lay down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I've received from my father. So Jesus is telling us my destiny is to lay my life down. Greater love hath no man than a man lay down his life for a friend. Jesus said, I'm going to lay my life down. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again because the Father's commanded me to do this. I've received this destiny, this calling from the Father and I must do what pleases my Father. So nobody took Jesus' life. He laid it down. This is what Peter's preaching. And then Peter touches on God raising Jesus from the dead. This is essential. I know we're going over a lot of doctrine tonight, but this is essential to the Christian faith is that Jesus rose from the dead. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, the Bible says that we have nothing, that it's all been a lie. Paul says if he didn't raise from the dead, everything hinges on the fact that Jesus died on the cross. It doesn't stop there. If you have a necklace or a picture in your house of Jesus on the cross or of Jesus on the necklace on the cross, get rid of it. He's not on a cross. He's been raised from the dead. He's exalted at the right hand of the Father. He's alive evermore. And he's speaking to his church through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's directing my life, your life, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is functioning on the earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. I know you've been taught in in your Sunday school and at church on Sunday, oh, Jesus is in your heart. Jesus is there. Jesus came into the room and I saw Jesus come in the revival. Listen, biblically, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now, forever making intercession. Now, of course, Jesus can do whatever he wants, but he chooses to remain at the right hand of the Father because he said, I need to go. It's better that I leave so that I can send the Holy Spirit that's going to come and be my ambassador on the earth that's going to speak for me, that's going to disciple you, that's going to enlighten you, that's going to comfort you, that's going to empower you, that's going to bring righteousness, judgment, conviction, all the great things the Holy Spirit brings. And the Bible says that through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is now communicating to his church, is now speaking to his church. That's why if you've ever wondered why there's been no service since Jesus went to heaven where Jesus showed up and preached. Now I know preachers say, oh, Jesus walked on the stage. Listen, that's here nor there. I don't believe it's biblical. There's never been a service since Jesus left where Jesus himself, come on, hear what I'm saying tonight. God on your Sunday morning service and preach the gospel. Why has that never happened? Because Jesus preaches through the Holy Spirit, through earthen vessels. He said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit He's going to preach through people, and the way Jesus speaks to us is through the Holy Spirit. Tonight, Jesus is speaking to you through Isaiah Saldivar, not by my strength or my might, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's how we communicate with God. That's our relationship is the person of the Holy Spirit, not a figure, not a force, not a mystical blue flame. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. He's just as much God as Jesus, just as much God as the Father, three in one. I, I believe in the Trinity. And so the Holy Spirit is God's ambassador on the earth. So we have to stop with this whole like, Jesus came and did this and that. The Holy Spirit's the one that's moving, functioning. Jesus said, I'm at the right hand of the Father. Anywhere you read in scripture, Jesus, after the 40 days, which we already talked about last week or two weeks ago, Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father. Biblically, that's, that's where he's at. And he's working through the power of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. So God raised Jesus from the dead, Acts 2, 25 through 35. And then he's going to now preach to these Jews, Old Testament. Now, why is Peter going to go into the Old Testament? Because he knows that these Jewish, Jewish people in Jerusalem understand the Old Testament and they respect the Old Testament. And 
He didn't have the New Testament. So for all of you that are like, that's not in the Bible, that's not in the Bible, that's not in the Bible, the disciples didn't have the New Testament and they did more than we do with the New Testament. So Peter starts going back to prove more of the point. Peter's going to now continue to preach the first message ever in the book of Acts on the Old Testament. And this is going to be verse 25 through 35. This is what Peter is preaching. This is a sermon, by the way, by Peter that I'm that, I, that we're going over tonight. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I might not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh was also my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your holy one to see corruption. You've made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, Peter's talking to these religious people and all these thousands of people. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ, listen to what he says here, to sit on his throne, he foreseeing this spoke concerning the res resurrection of Christ, and that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. So what Peter's doing is saying, David prophesied Jesus. David said, God is not going to leave me in Hades. He's not going to let my me be corrupt, but he's going to save me. Even in the Old Testament, he's prophesying Jesus. Verse 32, this Jesus God has raised up, of which we all are witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit he poured out, which is what you now see and hear. Verse 34, for David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So Peter says, Jesus has been raised up to sit at the right hand of God, having received the promise of the Holy Spirit, which you now see and hear. And he's going to say, and he says, what you're experiencing is the promise of the Holy Spirit. What you're experiencing is the outpouring that David himself even prophesied. And so now he's giving them words. Now they're like, oh, we respect David. We honor David. We know David was a prophet. And now we totally get what you're saying, Peter. And remember, Peter's preaching charged with the Holy Spirit. The power of God is backing up every word. These are supernatural words. As I'm preaching this, the word of God is supernatural, not superficial. So I believe that my words are charged by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is bringing change into your life. The Holy Spirit's power is being re released into your life. The Holy Spirit's anointing. This is exactly what the book of Acts was. It was revival. It was the presence of God. It was the power of God. It's what my shirt says right here. Revival, revival, revival. That's the book of Acts. The book of Acts is revival. The essence of revival is God do it your way. We don't care how it looks. We don't care how it sounds. If it's God, I'm in. I'm in. I want God. And I don't want to be this religious Pharisee that points at a distance and says, that's not God. That's not God. That's not God. That's not God. We have all these religious Pharisees, especially on YouTube culture. They only call out. That's not God. That's not God. That person's not right. That person's not right. Meanwhile, they have no fruit. Meanwhile, there's no miracles happening in their life. There's no change happening. There's no consecration. There's no holiness. There's no passion. There's no zeal. All they are, are a bunch of religious looky-loos that want to point their finger at everybody else that's at least going after God. I would Listen, I would rather sink trying to walk on water than be safe in the boat. And God is calling you. Come on, help me preach Holy Ghost. God is calling you out of the boat of religion tonight, out of the boat of complacency tonight, out of the boat of status quo. Get out of the boat. 
I, I, I don't care. Maybe I'm going to make mistakes. Maybe I'm going to mess up. Maybe I'm going to get a prophetic word wrong. I would rather get a prophetic word wrong than to never prophesy and say, oh, prophecy is not for today. You're not for today. Stop preaching this religious garbage that's a cancer to the body of Christ. He, do you know Jesus called the religious people gangrene? He said, you guys are gangrene. You guys are like a cancer that just destroys the body that spreads. There's this leaven of the Pharisees. We need revival. Lord, I'm asking you, I'm asking the Lord tonight, delete all of my religious mindsets. Everything I think I know about you, delete it. I don't know anything. When I go to the Bible, I'm convinced this is what religious people will not say for all that. Isaiah's arrogant and proud. They aren't, they won't say what I'm about to say. When I go to the Bible, I'm convinced I know nothing. And I need, I, I, I have no clue what I'm reading. I have no clue what I'm doing. I have no clue. I'm Lord. I'm empty. I have no preconceived notions. I'm not going to put you in a box. You teach me, Holy Spirit. You disciple me, Holy Spirit. I don't need a thousand Bible college lessons. I don't need to go through 40 years of cemetery. I don't need to have all the Holy Spirit. I need you to teach me what this word says. I want to learn. I humble myself. I don't know. The more that I study, the more that I learn, the more that I don't know. You guys don't see me up here flashing my accolades, flashing my Bible college degree. I don't have my Bible college degree up there in the back. Although I have one, I don't, I don't, I don't go flashing this. Oh, this person, this person. I don't talk smack on anybody. Oh, listen to a five-year-old. If it's God, I just want God for real. I just want the presence of God for real. I just want the anointing of God for real. I want his presence and his power. The message that Peter is preaching is clear. The Christian gospel offers a real reality that nothing else offers. No system of morality, no religion, no philosophy offers. Genuine Christianity is all about its leader who died on the cross, rose from the dead, and holds the most highly exalted position in the universe. And now by his spirit, lives through his followers that's the gospel my friend that's the gospel jesus came died rose seated at the right hand of god given us his spirit and now our leader oh i feel the holy spirit strong tonight our leader i love the gospel i know it might not be as fancy as flashy as numbers and views of casting out demons healing the sick the gospel message is that Jesus is alive in you through the Holy Spirit, is that the power of God is for today, that his fire is for today, that his anointing is for today, and that Jesus is not dead, but he's alive and he's alive evermore, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's still moving in the earth. This is the gospel. This is the Christian faith. It's very, very simple. Acts 2.36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, Okay, so Paul, Peter's strong here. So God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So here's Peter's end of his sermon. He's going to preach another sermon soon here. We'll go into later. But the end sentence of Peter's sermon is this. Let everybody in Israel know. Remember, these are all religious people listening. And, and of course, not just religious people. There's other people there, but mostly religious people are here. He goes, let everybody know, go tell your friends, go tell your kids, go tell your wife, all of your religious synagogues and your Sadducees and Pharisees, you go let them know that this Jesus, that God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, God has made him both Lord and Christ. This is not some game. This is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that the Father, God the Father, whom you worship and praise, has validated this Jesus that you killed. Don't stress though, he's risen from the dead. God has made him. I, I'm, I'm, I get so excited about this, preaching this. God has made him both Lord and Christ. 
So he's not just Christ, which is the anointed one. He's not just the healer, the deliverer. He's the Lord. So you don't get to choose how you live your life now. He's a Lord. And this is what the American church, the pastors won't tell you, is that Christ is Lord. He wants to govern your life. He wants full control. He wants every part of you. And I'm going to keep preaching this till the last breath in my lungs. Jesus is not an add-on. Jesus is not a bobblehead. Jesus is not a sticker. He's not a bumper tag he, or a bumper sticker. He's not a t-shirt. He's not your homeboy. He's not your little friend, your purse, your accessory, your add-on, your fry on the side. Jesus, type this in the comments, is Lord. He's the King of Kings, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, and the end. There's nobody like our God. He's high and lifted up. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's exalted the right hand of the Father, and he has power to deliver and power to save. This is the knockout blow to the religious leaders. All the prophecies, Jesus' crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, the Holy Spirit coming to the disciples, the disturbance at Pentecost, it proves one thing. Jesus, the man you crucified, is Lord. That's Yahweh God and Christ, the Messiah King. Now they're like, now we're getting it. So that's the gospel. Jesus, who died for our sins, rose from the dead, is alive today, and may be, we may know him personally as Lord and Savior through the power of the Holy Spirit, Acts 2.37. Oh, I love this preaching tonight. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Here's the response to the gospel. Okay, watch this now. Now when they heard this, this is verse 37 of chapter 2. They were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, they're all lined up, the rest of the apostles are like, Peter, what happened to you? There's a boldness about you. Peter's like, that's the Holy Ghost, y'all. Because they just got the Holy Ghost. Peter's like, I like this. I could get used to this. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're just looking at Peter, all the rest of the apostles. And then this is the question. This is the question of tonight and the question of the hour and the question of these disciples. Or the, I'm sorry, these Jews. Men and brethren, what shall we do? The Holy Spirit energized through Peter's preaching. Now that they know the crucifixion, they know that they were responsible. They know that the tomb's empty. These are all undeniable facts. They saw that Jesus's body was not there. They know that he's raised. The veil was torn, the lightning, the earthquake. They saw this happen and the light dawned on them. Boom, the light comes on. Jesus Christ, the man from Nazareth, was indeed the Messiah. And I get the whole, I get the Holy Ghost goosebumps when I say that. The man that we killed, just boom, the light goes on when Peter's preaching. The man that we killed was the king of glory. He was the Messiah that we've been waiting for. And now that we know this, what do we do? Because there, there's a response to the gospel being preached. There's a response. We've gone so long without the terror of the Lord. We've gone so long without the fear of God. We've gone so long without the presence and the power and the anointing of God in our lives. We don't even know how to respond to the gospel. The, the gospel response is not a lukewarm, you know, just walk slow down the altar. The response is, what do we do now that we've heard that we're, we're, we're in sin, we're wrong? What do we do? It cuts to the heart. We want to know what do we do? Now, this is what happens when the power of God touches you. What do I need to do? I remember the night I got saved and touched. My response was, Lord, what do I do now? I don't, I no longer want to drink. I no longer want to cuss. I no longer want to slander. I no longer want to party. I no longer want to do all these wicked things. I want now to respond to the gospel. And this is the power of the gospel being preached. They were cut to the heart. And we need more preaching like this. Come on, Holy Ghost, our preaching today. 
the preaching in your churches that you go to, a lot of you, so soft, so complacent, so carnal, so dead, nobody's cut to the heart anymore. Very rarely is there any conviction, is there any wounding, is there any piercing, and is there anybody cut to the heart? But here they are now cut to the heart because in the churches of today, people are comforted in their sin instead of cut to the heart. But the gospel should wound you when you're living contrary to God. I was wounded the night I heard the gospel. The Holy Spirit wounded me. I was in pain going, God, I'm, I'm a sinner. I didn't even know. I didn't even realize I was filthy. I was unclean like Isaiah chapter 6. I'm a man of unclean lips. What must I do to be saved? This is what the men are crying out. What do we do? What do we do? We want to be saved. We don't, we don't have another moment. We don't have any more time. We need, this, we need salvation. We need the power of God. Now, Peter doesn't say, this is what your pastor would say if you were, he was in this situation. Well, brothers and sisters, that's my religious voice, by the way. All we need to do is just invite Jesus right now into our heart. All we need to do is just pray this prayer after me if you're sincere. Everybody come down to the altar, raise your hand so we can count you, so we can brag about how many people got saved and just invite Jesus into your heart. Pray this prayer right after me, brother. If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, which is completely taken out of context because that was written to believers, not unbelievers. Just confess, brother, and you're gonna be saved. Just invite him into your heart. You can live like the devil. You can go back to your job and your school and your career, and you can do whatever you want. You can live however you want, and you can fornicate, sleep around. Doesn't matter. Or, you know, come forward. We're gonna give you a card, and here's a mug with our church logo. Do you think a mug with your church logo is going to deliver anybody? Do you think a mug with your church logo is going to save anybody? You think a mug with your church, oh, we just want them to come back. We want to be nice. I want to be nice too. And it would be nice if you preach the gospel with conviction and you preach the gospel with power because the mug's not going to drive out a demon. The power of God is going to. So you can keep your cheesy mug with your, your logo on it. I need the power of God. What would be nice of you is if you laid hands on me so that I could get healed, I could get delivered, I could receive the Holy Spirit, that you'd preach the gospel with power. I'm tired of all these dead churches. Keep the mug and give me Jesus. Now give me Jesus and the mug, but don't give me the mug and not give me Jesus. Peter did not say, all right, everybody right now, I'm, go I'm going long on this. I'm going long tonight because I can. Everybody line up. All right, we see all those hands, eyes closed. Everybody get the cards, get the salvation cards. I'm so tired of these salvation cards. Fill it out, you know, type your number in so we can bug you and tell you to come back next Sunday so you can hear some more dead preaching. We fill out these cards. All right, fill out your card with all your info so we can connect with you and just get you back to our dead church. And then, all right, everybody, and it's like, the whole mood's just messed up. Everyone's now, oh, we gotta fill out a card, get more converts, get more people, get more tithe. And Peter's like, no, you're not gonna fill out a card. You're not gonna invite Jesus into your heart. The Bible tells us what to do. We don't need to invent it. The Bible tells us. I look at pastors, I'm like, they say, Isaiah, we don't know what to do because we know you preach against the sinner's prayer and that's what we do here, but we don't want to do it, but we don't know what else to do. What? It's in the Bible. We're getting those religious people tonight, y'all. We're getting them. It's in the Bible. It tells us what to do. Peter responds. Thank you, Peter, because you didn't leave us hanging. Are you guys ready? Acts 2, 38 through 39. Then Peter said to them, repent, repent. Type that in the comments. Not a card, not a prayer. Repent. We must go ahead and post this, clip this for all of you preachers that think I'm false. Repent. That's what we must do. This is what we preach. We preach repentance. He said, repent and let, okay? He didn't say every one of you 
If you don't do this, you're not saved. But I want to show you what Peter said here. It's very, very important we break this down. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gifts of the Holy the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, your children, and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So Peter gives very simple instructions. You got you felt the you felt the power of God. You felt convicted. You felt pierced in your heart. Here's what you need to do. You need to repent. Admit you're wrong. You're going the wrong way. Turn to God. I'm going from this direction. It means to change the way you think. Metanoia, right? And in changing the way I think, I change my direction. Now I go from a life bent on destruction. Come on, does anybody have a testimony that they want to type out in the chat? Bent on anger, bitterness, hostility, resentment. Everything you can think of, that's the direction I'm going. I repent. I'm no longer chasing women. I'm no longer chasing drugs. I'm no longer chasing. I'm turning from my ways. And now I'm going towards God. I'm going towards righteousness. I'm going towards holiness. I'm going towards the power of God. I'm changing my thought process. I am admitting I'm wrong about life. I'm wrong about the things that I think. And I'm turning now to God. I'm turning now to his power. I'm turning now to his presence. I'm turning now to his anointing. I'm letting his presence rest on me. I'm letting his power rest on me. I'm letting his fire. I'm I'm understanding it's all about him. It's no longer about me. Repentance means it's not about my way. It's about Yahweh. So I can't keep following my own plan. And then he says, be baptized. Let, I want you to notice here, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Let God wash away your sins, forgiving you and just receiving what Christ did on the cross. Now, is baptism required to salvation? No. Baptism is not required, but it is commanded that we be baptized, but it's not required because Ephesians chapter two, verse eight says that salvation is by grace through faith and not by works. And if it was through baptism, it would say by grace through faith and baptism. It's not that. Now we know the man on the thief on the cross, he was not baptized. And Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise. We know that Paul said, which I'm going to show you in first Corinthians 117 this is what paul said for christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel not with the wisdom of words let the cross should be made lest the cross be made of no effect so paul said i didn't come to baptize people i'm not going around baptizing everybody i'm not having baptismal services paul said that's not what i came to do i came to preach the gospel now if paul knew think about this i'm gonna show you another place where they didn't get baptized before they were saved but i want you to see this if paul knew that you had to be baptized to be saved paul would have said i'd baptize and preach the gospel because baptism is required but the bible doesn't say that paul said god didn't send me to baptize he sent me to preach the gospel so baptism's not a requirement to be saved but it's a command and it's evidence that you've been saved and repented so you repent of your sins and then you get baptized which is an outward expression of an inward work and then you receive the holy spirit but can you receive the holy spirit without being baptized yes I know many people, I received the Holy Spirit without being baptized. I got saved January 12, 2011. I was speaking in tongues, the power of God. You all know my story. And I didn't get baptized until like months later. I know a ton of people that this has happened to. So again, it's not a requirement, but it is a 
commandment. Now, I did a lot of research on this before I'm telling you this, and very, very few people believe you have to be baptized or you're not saved, but you have to remember um, the fact that baptism is not required to receive forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit should also be evident by reading farther in the book of Acts. And I read an article really, really good here that points out and draws out this point. This is what the article said, and it's by a really, really well-known person that wrote it. This, in, they said in Acts 10.43, Peter tells Cornelius, so listen to this. Peter tells Cornelius that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins. So I want, and it says, please note that nothing at this point has ever been mentioned about baptism, yet Peter connects believing in Christ with receiving the forgiveness for sins. The next thing that happens is Peter having believed, and the Bible says having believed Peter's message about Christ, the Holy Spirit, this is Acts 10, 44, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those, those that were there listening to the message, okay? So Peter's preaching. He doesn't speak about baptism. The Bible says they received the Holy Spirit. And then it was only after they believed and received the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of their sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Acts 10, 47 through 28, that Cornelius and his household were baptized. So the passage is very clear. Cornelius and his household received forgiveness of sin and the Holy Spirit before they were baptized. Are you guys getting this? Before they were baptized. And in fact, the reason Peter allowed them to be baptized was that they showed the evidence of receiving the Holy Spirit, just as Peter and the Jew Jewish believers had. So this is what the book of Acts teaches. You repent, you receive the Holy Spirit, you get baptized as the evidence that you've actually received the forgiveness and the Holy Spirit's power. So again, you have to understand that Peter is saying, let let all of you be baptized. Let. Not you have to. Not it's a must. Not you're not saved without it. But remember, baptism is a commandment, not a requirement to be saved. And if you don't believe that, then go read Acts chapter 10, verse 43, and you're going to look at Peter's pattern. Peter does not baptize first. Peter preaches, says, through the name of Christ, we're forgiven of our sins. They receive the Holy Spirit. All of them, it falls on them. And then he baptizes them at the end. So you have to understand that there's an order there, okay? And then he says, receive. I wanted to break that down clear because I know there's a lot of you that say, oh, you have to get baptized or you're not saved. It's just not the case. And then he says, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, to welcome Christ is to welcome the Holy Spirit. But I want you to notice he says, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift. We don't earn the Holy Spirit. There's not enough, God, please, God, please, I'll do anything, God, please, I'll do my chores. That's not how you get the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, by asking the Father, who is a good Father, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you ask him for something good, he's not going to give you something bad. That's how you get the Holy Spirit. And then he says, this promise is for you. Okay, so write this down, is for you. It's the promise for Isaiah. That means there's 3,200 of you watching right now. Praise the Lord. Every single one of you listening to the sound of my voice, the promise is for you. Isaiah, maybe God just doesn't want me to have the Holy Spirit. You're wrong. The promise is for you. Maybe it's just not for today. You're wrong. It's for you. Maybe God's waiting. You're wrong. You're wrong every time. The promise is for you. This is a promise not for Isaiah, not for the preacher, not the pastor. This is a promise for you. Then he goes, this is great. I love this. He goes, and it's a promise for your children. So I want you to write that down. If you have kids that are not saved, you have children. This promise is for my kids. My kids will be saved. My kids will serve the Lord. This promise is for them. It's not just for me. This promise is for my children. You claim that, you say that, you preach that, you speak it. And then the third thing he says, it's a promise of those who are far off. That means those that know nothing about God, the atheist, the agnostic, the Buddhist, the Muslim, the Hindu, the Catholic, doesn't matter. All those that are far off away from God. 
the promise is also for them. They now, it's not just some Jewish thing or for the Jews, but they can now receive, the, this is good preaching tonight, y'all. They can now receive the Holy Spirit. They can now receive the power of the Holy Spirit because it's a promise now for everyone. Remember, I'm pouring out my spirit on all flesh now. It's not just selective people. Chapter 2, verse 40. We're almost done with chapter 2. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Um, the perverse generation he's speaking about was this dead, spiritually rotten culture with this dead, religious, hypocritical system that was in resistance, denial to God. Paul says, You just need to get delivered from this generation. You need to be saved. Pray that you'd be saved from this. Like, you need to get out of this. Get, get out of this dead religion thing that you're in so that you can now receive this new generation this new Holy Spirit, this new power of God, this new way of doing things, this new outpouring, new wine. It's the generation of the Holy Spirit, new community, new culture that's now responsive to Jesus. Verse 41, then those who gladly received Peter's words were baptized. So they got baptized. There's water there. We're going to get baptized. Now, some scholars say they weren't actually baptized in water. This is not what I think, but this is what scholars say. Some scholars say, you're going to find this as you research. They were baptized in the name of Jesus, meaning they were submerged because baptism means submerged in the lifestyle of Christ. Okay. I believe they were literally water baptized here. And then it says, and about 3000 souls were added to them. 3,000 people responded to Peter's message. They were baptized that day. They were sealed by the Holy Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit in the book of Acts was not optional, okay? It wasn't like, do you want to follow Jesus? Okay, if you want the Holy Spirit, you can have it. It was a require. Everybody that, everybody that became Christian received the Holy Spirit, okay? Everybody that believed now received it. In fact, when Paul went to Ephesus, they said, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. And Paul, and Paul laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. It was a must, okay? Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. So this was this new society for priorities and activities. The apostles' doctrine, this is the teaching about what Jesus told them to teach about and preach about, okay? That was preaching the gospel, which is preaching is a plain statement of facts. It's who Jesus is. It's what Jesus did. It's an invitation to follow him. Teaching, which is you explaining the word of God, explaining, aiming at helping Christians grow in their faith, which is what we do a lot on our channel and services. A lot of times we're just preaching, we're proclaiming healing, we're proclaiming the word of God. But when we do a lot of these live streams, we're actually teaching, we're explaining the word of God. We're, that's the difference between preaching and teaching. Some of you think yelling is preaching and talking is teaching. No. Preaching is stating the facts of the gospel, stating Jesus died to save you, repent of your sin, you can be healed. That's what I do a lot of times in church services. Teaching is explaining and going into the deeper things to help people grow, Christians grow in their faith. And then thirdly was exhortation. That's motivational communication, urging believers to align their lives with Christ's teaching, counseling, correcting, advising one another. That's exhortation. That's also important. Okay. They also had fellowship. The original word for fellowship is um, koin, koin, I don't even know how to say it, koinia, something like that. I don't know. I'm pronouncing it wrong, but it just basically means partnership, interaction, helping one another, sympathy, mutual communication. This is that love for one another. Koinonia, koinonia, koinonia. That's how you say, it. okay, koinonia. Thank you. Um, it's more than a handshake. It's not you, hey, we're greeting you at the door of the church. This is getting involved in someone's life. How are you doing? What is God doing in your life? We're going to partner with you. We're going to help you. We're going to eat with you. This was very, very serious. Those that needed food, they fed, they give, um, they, they ate together, they broke bread. Now, a couple 
reasons why they broke bread and they ate together. Number one is the poor people and, and people that were hungry, they got a meal. Um, others reasons why it was, it was helping strengthen their fellowship. And then they also celebrated the Lord's Supper, remembering Jesus and his death. That's found in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23. And then lastly was prayer. 14 of the first 15 chapters of Acts and many later chapters tell how they prayed. They prayed together in Acts chapter 4, 24. They prayed alone in Acts 10, 9. And they prayed continuously. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, Romans 8, 26. So they prayed together, alone, and continuously. Those were the three methods of prayer. And that's how all of us should be praying. We should all be praying together at some point. We should be praying alone at some point. And that's a whole message right there. And we should be praying continuously, okay? Acts 2, 43, verses 43 through 46. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among anyone that had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and the simplicity of heart. So miracles begin to break out. People begin to get healed. People begin to get delivered. Demons were cast out. The blind were able to see. The power of God was made a normal thing. And there was clearly poor people in the group. So those that had possessions started to sell what they had to help those that were poor. Now it wasn't them selling their main house, their main possession. The Bible later will show us that. It wasn't their, like, everybody sold their house, they had nowhere to live. It was extra land, extra property, extra possessions. They went ahead and sold those things so that they can help those that were hungry in the church, that were not able to get food, not able to pay their utility bills. They all pitched in. They all got together to be able to make ends meet. It was not a law. It was voluntary. Voluntary. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you become a giving person. You become someone that wants to give. I don't have to. If I see a need, and I'm not bragging, I'm not boasting. If me or my wife see a need, period. We don't have to pray about it. We don't have to say, Lord, do you want us to give to them? We meet the need because we can. I don't need to say, oh, Lord, I have to pray. Should I give to this person? I don't need to pray about it. If I can do it, they need finances. They need food. They need utility, whatever it is. I'm going to jump in there and I'm going to pay the bill. I'm going to go ahead and make something happen there because it's a biblical reality. Generosity is part of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are too stingy, too stubborn. You're mad that your pastor asked for 10%. They were selling their possessions giving it to the apostles and the apostles were distributing it among the people acts 247 i'm gonna get off that because some of you are getting nervous now acts 247 praising god and having favor with all people and watch what happened now and the lord added to the church daily those who are being saved every day they were together somewhere meeting sharing eating celebrating praising and god began to add to the church non-believers let me tell you what happened non-believers begin to see they're not putting on a show like the religious people they're not just doing it for no reason there's a reason why look at their love for one another and there was an eagerness there was supportive relationships there was sharing prayer eating liberty genuineness joy and the unbelievers they envy this. They're like, we want that. We don't, we don't have that community. We don't have that love for one another. Like these people, they're selling cars and houses to help pay for other people that have nothing. We want to be a part of that. And that's what drew people to the gospel. And sadly, the only way we draw people now is through our fancy lights and smoke machines and dead churches. Okay. Acts chapter three, verses one through 12. Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. We're out of chapter 2 into chapter 3. The ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, asked for alms and fixing their eyes on him. With John, Peter said, look at us. 
So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Now as a lame man who was healed, held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to him on the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. When Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or look so intently at us as though it was by our own godliness that we made this man walk. So Peter and John, let me break this message down for you, this story down for you, had just got the Holy Spirit. And Peter and John decided... That if we have the power of the Holy Spirit, why wouldn't we use it? Why would we have the power of the Holy Spirit and walk so busy with religion that we walk right past the very people outside the church that need us because we're so busy with religion? This is a word for somebody. If you have the power of God, ask yourself, why am I not using? I'm going to preach here. Why am I not using the power that God has given me? If somebody gave me a $150,000 car, I'm going to use it. If somebody gave me a billion dollar inheritance, I'm going to use it. If someone gave me a nicer this or a nicer house or a nicer that, I'm going to use it. Yet you've been given the Holy Spirit, the ultimate inheritance. The Bible says the Holy Spirit's your inheritance. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. We don't use the Holy Spirit. Do you use the Holy Spirit? Let me ask you this. Did you use the power of the Holy Spirit this week? Did you use the authority that Jesus gave you this week? Do we even use the power of the Holy Spirit? They said, no, we're going to use it today. And the Bible says Peter and John went together at the hour of prayer because unity is a main ingredient to a move of God. A house divided can't stand. You got to find someone that will walk with you. You got to find someone that you can go together with, that you can pray together with, that you can cast out demons together with, that you can lay hands on the sick together with. Find someone. The key point, the key word was they went together. There wasn't division among them. There wasn't envy or bitterness or jealousy. They were going together. Jesus said, you accuse me of casting out devils but a house divided can't stand and so you got to understand that we got to break out of division in the body come on share this broadcast we got to break out of division in the body of christ we have to link arms. We have to get over our fence. We have to get over ourselves. We have to unify together and genuinely love one another. A lot of times homes fall apart. Marriages fall apart. Families fall apart because of disunity. And the moment disunity comes in, revival ends. Disunity kills revival. Disunity kills the power of the Holy Spirit. And the holy, the demonic spirits want to divide us. They want to use people and preachers. There's all these YouTube channels of calling everyone out, dividing the body of Christ into categories because the devil knows a house divided can't stand. So don't let gossip gossip come in your house. It causes discord and disunity. You got to remember there's power in unity. Now this man, excuse me, had been carried to the gate every single day. Now this man hits home to me because it represents humanity. All of humanity is crippled just like this man. Crippled by addiction. Crippled by depression. Crippled by anxiety. Crippled by violence. Anger. The American dream. Sin cripples you. Sin makes it to where 
You can't walk the way God wants you to walk. You can't talk the way God wants you to talk. And this man is a crippled world. It's not just a message of this happening. It's a prophetic message of a crippled world outside the door of the temple, outside the door of the church that we're walking right past instead of using the power that God has given us to deliver them. And I was thinking in this story as I was studying this, who was persistent enough to carry this man every day? Think about this. Every day, somebody carried this man to the temple because he's been here since he was born. They carried him every day. Now, they didn't save him, but at least they carried him. And God is looking for someone that says, I might not be able to save the person at work. I might not be able to save the person at school. I might not be able to save my kids or my marriage, but I at least could carry them. I could at least put them in position to get a miracle. So who have you been carrying? I've been carrying some people in prayer and after years, I'm not giving up on them. I'm going to keep carrying them. After a few months, I'm going to keep carrying them. I'm going to keep bringing them to the gate called beautiful. I'm going to keep bringing them before God. I'm going to keep bringing them come on this is prophetic i'm gonna keep bringing them before the temple i'm not giving up i'm believing god for my old friend i'm believing god for my old family i'm believing god for my old teacher i'm gonna keep carrying you i know you're crippled i know you're lame i know you can't make it on your own but i'm gonna get you in position to encounter god i'm going to keep carrying them over and over your job is not to save them your job is to carry them god is going to do the rest now this man has never walked before. He doesn't even know what it's like to function normally. He doesn't even know what it's like to wake up with joy. Some of you don't even know what it's like to not argue with your wife every day. You don't even know what it's like to live in peace with your family and your kids. You don't know, even know what it's like not to be in dysfunction. You don't even know what it's like not to be anxious, not to have depression. But I want to tell you that God is going to give you a new normal that you may have been this way your entire life, but tonight God is going to heal. Come on, share this. God is going to deliver that it will be your new normal to wake up with peace. It will be your new normal to wake up with joy. It will be your new normal not to be anxious, not to be depressed. Come on, you're not going to be crippled your entire life. You're not going to be crippled any longer. Your new normal is walking out. Hear what I'm saying in the spirit. Walking out the destiny that God has called you to do. Now, the religious thing to do, just give the man money. Because this is what they did. The reason why they begged in front of the gate in front of the temple is because they knew people were going to give them money and handouts. That's the religious thing to do. But they decided we're not doing the religious thing. We're doing the godly thing. We have to stop doing the bare minimum, just inviting people to church. That's the religious thing to do and start praying for them outside the church. Start releasing the power of God outside the church. Remember the lame are outside the temple not inside the temple and we need to walk in the power of God and we need to demonstrate the power of God, demonstrate the anointing of God and let the fire of God rest on these people like it's on us. Now they ask, the man asked them for money. So he understood he needed help and he's willing to ask for it. Some of you, you're too arrogant. You're too prideful, but God says, I'm looking for those that are poor in spirit. That means beggars. I'm looking for someone that's willing to ask for help. If I need deliverance, Lord, I need help. Go ask a family, go ask a friend. You cannot have pride and get help. Now the Bible says Peter and John looked at him intently. So they said, we're going to take our focus off religion. We're going to take our focus off the temple. We're going to take our focus going off, going to the our prayer. And our focus is going to be on this lost man. Our focus is going to be on the crippled. Our focus, church, listen, this is a prophetic message. It needs to be off of religiosity going through the motions of religion and we need to put our attention to the broken our attention to the demonized our attention to the hurting these are the people that are important and this is what they told the man look at us 
So when God says to do something or when a man of God says to do something, you need to respond to the message. You need to respond to what he says to do. Some of you, you'll listen to your doctor. Your doctor says, okay, take your clothes off, put on this little smock, this apron. It doesn't even cover the backside. Sit on this cold bench, cough here, do this, open this, open that, open your mouth, bend over, do it. And they tell you, and you listen to your doctor. You listen to your doctor because you know your doctor has your best interest in mind. And you'll do all these things for a doctor to diagnose you. But then you come to our services and I preach for an hour as strong as I can. And I'm like, come to this altar. God wants to heal you. And you stand back in your chair. You stand back, not responding. Why are you? Oh, come on, Holy Ghost. How many preach this strong tonight? Why are you more prone to respond to a doctor when they tell you what you need to do, but not a preacher? Now, a doctor can help you with your physical diseases, but I'm trying to help you with the spiritual disease called sin that will not just destroy your body, which it will, but will also destroy your soul. And so stop being so prone to do stuff for the doctor, but not for the man of God. He said, look at us. And then the man looked at them eagerly expecting money. The man looked with an expectation. We have to have expectation when God is going to move. The thing about it is they're not going to give the man what he wants. Hear me tonight. Oh, this is strong preaching. They're going to give the man what he needs. The man wants money, but the man needs healing. And our God is not a God that gives you what you want. He gives you what you need because what you need will always be better than what you want. And God doesn't just give you what you expect. He goes exceedingly abundantly. The man expected a couple coins and the man got his ability to walk. That's God saying, I'm going to go over and above. Whatever you're asking me for tonight, I'm going to get over and above. And this is what they say. The name of Jesus, get up and walk. This is what we call the power of attorney. The power of attorney gives you the ability to represent someone else in court. So if I'm going to court, I'm not going to represent myself. I'm going to give my lawyer the power of attorney. That means my lawyer could speak on my behalf. Jesus gave us the power of attorney so that now we can speak on behalf of God, that we can represent God so that when we say, religious people are going to hate this, they're going to manifest right now. When we say, rise up and walk, we have in Jesus' name, it's the same as if Jesus said it because we've been given the same power. This is what Jesus said, not me. The same authority and the same anointing. Jesus had the same power I've been given. I now give you and you're going to do greater things than I've done. You've been given the power of attorney so that you can speak on behalf of God. Peter took him by the hand and helped him up. Peter decided, I'm not just going to yell at him. I'm going to put my faith to action and I'm going to actually lift him up. And some of you tonight, I'm reaching out my hand in the spirit and I'm lifting you up out of your depression. I'm lifting you up out of being crippled. Whatever's crippling you tonight, God's going to heal you and God's going to deliver you. Now, Peter expected the man to get healed. Remember, Peter's lifting the man, a crippled man up, expecting, God, you got to do this because if not, this guy's going to fall over and I'm going to look crazy. We're all going to look crazy in front of everybody. But James 2.20 says, faith without deed is dead. Faith without work is dead. So we got to put some action into our faith. We got to put some power into our faith. And then the Bible says he went to the temple with him. So now the guy gets delivered, gets healed. They didn't invite him to the temple. They heal him outside the temple. And then he goes, I want to go with you guys in the temple. That's biblical evangelism. Biblical evangelism is not come to my church so you can get healed. Biblical evangelism is you're going to get healed right now. And then you're going to ask me what church I go to. And you're going to come with me. And then it says he hung on to Peter and John. Um, and then the people begin to get mad. The people got into an uproar. And then here comes Peter. Peter is about to preach again. Come on, Peter, preach again. Acts 3, 13 through 16. 
He says, whom you delivered up. So he says, this is who, this is who did this, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer, which is Barabbas, we know, to be granted to you. And you killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name through faith in his name, and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him his perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So Peter goes, yeah. You guys remember that guy, Jesus, you killed? Notice Peter's going to keep reminding them what they did. Remember that guy, Jesus, you killed? Well, guess what? Oh, yeah. He's alive and alive evermore. And you see this guy you all know? Because remember, he's in front of the temple. All the religious people know this guy. And Peter goes, you know the guy that you know that's been in front of this temple for a long time? That guy just got his his uh, body back, just got his wholeness, got healed, is no longer crippled, re- took his mat and can walk. And the guy that you killed that is no longer dead because you can't find his body, he raised, he's the guy that did this. And think of the sheer terror. Come on, in these religious people. They had just killed Jesus. And he's back. And now Jesus through the disciples. And this is what they're freaking out about. Wait a minute. We killed one guy who was Jesus trying to stop him. But this one guy has now multiplied in hundreds of guys has now multiplied in thousands of guys and we cannot stop this now because now thousands are walking around doing the works that jesus did and now the holy spirit god on the earth is now going to be it's unstoppable is now working through his people and now peter's going to go out and preach another message to the people in acts 3 verses 17 watch what peter says now this is peter preaching again another message here Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Verse 19. Repent, therefore. Here we go again. Peter's preaching repentance. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who has preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of the holy prophets since the world began. Verse 22. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will rise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren, whom you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet will be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and the covenant which God made with our father, saying to Abraham, and in your seed... All the families of the earth shall be blessed to you first. God, having raised up his servant, Jesus, sent him to bless you um, in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Okay, so this is the message he's preaching. It's the same format from the, Acts chapter 2, verse 14 through 40, because the audience was Jewish. Peter quoted the Old Testament to show how Jesus fulfilled what the prophet said about the Messiah. He called the people to turn to God turn away, change their lives, quit their wicked ways. Now notice here, Peter does not say you got to get baptized, but he does say you need to turn to God. You need to repent of your sins, okay? And listen to Jesus. And then Peter says, if you do the things I'm preaching to you, here's what's going to happen. Your sins will be blotted out. That's Acts 3.19. Also Isaiah 44.22, Colossians 2.13, okay? Spiritual revival or renewal is going to come to you. Acts 3.19, John 7.37, Matthew 11.28. 
Christ himself will come to them. Acts 3.20, Acts 2.38, John 14.18. Everything broken will be restored. Acts 3.21, Joel 2.12-27. And they'd get the blessing of a promise to Abraham's offspring. Acts 3.25 and Genesis 22.18 and Genesis 26.4. These are the promises that Peter is saying. If you receive this message. So notice Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter... We just finished Acts chapter 3. Notice the sermons that Peter's preaching. He's preaching repent. He's preaching turn to God. He's preaching turn from your wicked ways and receive the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the birth of the early church. This is the healing power of the early church. And now we're going to pray because God wants to demonstrate what we just read about. Okay. And the weeks to come, we're going to Acts chapter four. Acts chapter four is like a 10 minute thing. Very quick. We're going to five, six. We'll go through the, we'll, we'll work our way through the book of Acts as the Lord sees fit. And then we'll mix in maybe some other stuff, depending. I ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want to preach? What do you want to say? And then I submit my plans to the Holy Spirit every single broadcast. So some me just going like, what should I do tomorrow? It's the Holy Spirit telling me what I need to do. But tonight, there's 3,100 of you in here and the Holy Spirit wants to heal. So here's what I want to do. If you're sick in body, if you're around someone that's sick in body, if you need divine healing right now in your body, this is your moment. If you have a, a loved one with you that can pray or you're in the room with your husband or wife or kids and they need healing, have them lay hands on you. If your kids are in the room, have your kids lay hands on you. If your husband's there that's sick, lay hands on your husband. This is all going to be interactive here. Whoever's there, work together to lay hands. Now, you say, I'm by myself. No one's here. Lay hands on yourself because the power of God can work right through you tonight in Jesus' name. So I want everybody right now, I want everybody that needs healing in their body to be laying hands on the body part or the area that they need healing. And we're going to believe this is not Isaiah's power. This is a free gift. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the healing power of God. Every preacher should be praying for the sick. We pray for the sick and the demonized. Pretty much every broadcast, almost every broadcast, we pray for the sick. We pray deliverance. Why wouldn't we? We need this as preachers. We need to start preaching this. We need to start demonstrating this. Give God a chance to move. So right now, we're giving the Holy Spirit space as we have this last hour and 16 minutes, but we're asking him to heal bodies, okay? So everybody in this chat, everyone in this broadcast, the most important part, I want you to begin to lay your hands and we're going to begin to pray healing. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you that Psalms 103 says all disease and all sickness has been dealt with on the cross. We thank you that Mark 16 says that we can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We thank you for the healing power of God. We thank you, Lord, that the book of Acts shows us that many miracles were done through the hands of the apostles and the early believers. And Father, we pray tonight that your healing power would be released in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I pray that you begin to work through your people, that you begin to move through your people, that your anointing right now begins to move. If you have a family member that's far away, you could begin to stand in the gap and begin to pray for them. Right now, begin to pray for them. Father, we pray the healing power of God. We come against all cancers right now. We come against all high blood pressure right now. We come against all diabetes right now, all blood diseases, hip pain, back pain, neck pain, ligaments, tendons, nerves, spines. Father, I pray that you do creative miracles. Lord, do the impossible. We are believing tonight, Holy Spirit, that you're going to move in power, that you're going to move in authority. So Father, we say, do what only you can do. This is not in my power, Lord. It's in your power. And tonight, in Jesus' name, we come in your name, Lord. We pray, do the work in Jesus' name. Release your power in Jesus' name. The fire of God, I pray right now, come and just burn up all sickness 
We come against it now. We curse that cancer like Jesus cursed the fig tree. We command cancer to shrivel up and die. Skin disease. Come on, type it out in the chat. COVID, thyroid. We say be healed in Jesus' name. Reproductive issues. Father, I pray that you would open wombs tonight. Those of you that have been struggling to have children, I pray tonight that you will have be healed and that you will bear children. Knee pain, chronic hives, acid reflux, neck pain, kidney stones. Every deaf and blind spirit right now, psoriasis, be healed in Jesus' name. STDs, I see a lot of you typing that in the chat, be healed in Jesus' name. The cold and flu, COVID right now, be healed. Liver, lungs, double vision, neural tube defects, prostate cancer, lung disease. Come on, be healed. Asthma right now in Jesus' name. Deliverance, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Arthritis, fibromyalgia, uterine fibroids right now, be healed. Glaucoma. Be healed in Jesus' name. Intestines, be healed right now in Jesus' name. Ankles, someone said Christopher's cancer. Be healed, Christopher, in Jesus' name. Back pain, migraines, appendicitis, blood clots, sinus pains. Right now, confusion in the mind, epilepsy, cataracts in the eyes. Right now, Lord, be healed, be healed. Dead skin, right now, be healed in Jesus' name. Every eating disorder, we come against you now in Jesus' name. Come out of them now. Every demonic spirit that's causing an eating disorder, leave in Jesus' name. All, all um, um, after effects of a stroke, we just pray, Lord, all numbness from a stroke. I pray, Lord, heal them right now in Jesus' name. Father, we pray in your name, in Jesus' name, be healed. Bladders, be healed right now. Bladders, be healed right now. Colons, be healed right now. Intestines be healed right now. Autoimmune diseases. Come on, whatever you guys have, be healed. Be healed. Some of these I can't even pronounce. Father, you know what they need. I just pray the healing power of God. Many of you, I feel the Lord saying, are going to see a miracle for the first time tonight. Many of you for the first time tonight are going to see a miracle through your hands. Rotator cuffs, be healed. Cervical instability, prostate cancer, aneurysms, be healed in Jesus' name. Kidneys, be healed now. Pancreases, nearsightedness, cysts, we command you to go. Skin allergies, mental health issues, be healed. Chemical imbalances in the brain, be healed. Numbness, feet numbness from surgeries, be healed. Hernias, slip discs, come on, be healed. The power of God is moving right now. We break every curse, every spirit of infirmity, every curse of cancer, shrivel up and die in Jesus' name. Every spell, every hex, every incantation that's been put against you, every voodoo doll, we come against it. We break the power of sickness now in Jesus' name tooth pain, mouth disease. Just be healed right now in Jesus' name. Be healed right now in Jesus' name. Shoulders, come on. Migraines, teeth, tinnitus, be healed in Jesus' name. Female body parts, male body parts, be healed right now in Jesus' name. Voice boxes, be healed right now. Depression, we break your back in Jesus' name. I break the back of depression in Jesus' name. You have no power, you have no authority. We come against you now, anxiety, Spirit of anxiety, up and out now, in Jesus' name. Multiple sclerosis, be healed. Pinched nerves, be healed. Cystic acne, be healed in Jesus' name. Father, heal your people, Lord. We're believing what your word says, Father. In Jesus' name, Satan, you are bound. Spirit of infirmity, you are bound. The Lord rebukes you. Come out, in Jesus' name. Go. You have no power. Up and out, in Jesus' name. Go, you unclean spirit leave in jesus name the lord rebukes you satan come out of these people in jesus name come out of them now in jesus name father thank you that you're healing trauma memory loss right now thank you lord 
Voice boxes are being healed in Jesus' mighty name. Voice boxes are being healed in Jesus' mighty name. The power of God is healing someone's voice box. The anointing of God is healing someone's mind right now. Come on, right now. If you pray in the Spirit, begin to pray in the Spirit. Holy Ghost, have your way. Holy Ghost, have your way. Power of God be released in Jesus' name. Only God can do it tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. Healing is being released. Come on. Healing is being released. Check your body. See where God has healed you. See where there's been breakthrough. God is healing bodies right now in Jesus' name, Lord. Do the work we pray. Do the work we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. All you religious people say, there's no interpretation. I'm not, a, I'm not praying for an interpretation. I'm praying in tongues. There's no interpretation for this. I'm not speaking in tongues. I'm praying in tongues. Holy Ghost, have your way. Come on, right now. Some of you need to receive the Holy Spirit. You need to repent. Just repent right now. Repent right now. Repent right now. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn from your addictions. Turn from your addictions in Jesus' name. Repent and receive the Holy Spirit. If you speak in tongues, go ahead and pray in tongues right now. Father, right now, fill them with your Holy Spirit. If you need to get filled again, next week we're going to learn about the second filling of the Holy Spirit. If you need to get filled again, receive it right now. Holy Spirit, we pray, fill us right now. Fill us right now. For all of you religious people say, why are you speaking in tongues with no interpretation? I'm not speaking in tongues. I'm praying in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, it's a different thing. And the Bible says it's actually assigned to unbelievers. Thank you, Lord. Bring healing right now. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us with power. Come on, if you could pray in that heavenly prayer language, go ahead right now. Father, right now, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you're breaking religions back right now. You're breaking the power of religion in Jesus' name. Come on, guys. This is a prayer meeting right here. Don't tune out. This is a prayer meeting right here. Sheen that Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.